morning. I am so excited to be with you today to continue our At The Movie series with an amazing movie, the movie Harriet. I remember as a little girl every February during Black History Month, hearing about her story, about her bravery and her courage and her strength and being astonished by who she was and what she did. But what I learned as a little girl was just a small part of her story. I didn't know that she was a woman of faith and that she believed in God for every journey that she took. So this morning, before we jump in, I want to open us with a word of prayer, and then we'll watch the trailer for Harriet. God, thank you so much for the opportunity to speak to your people this morning about a woman of God. About a woman who trusted in you to do amazing things. And God, I ask that you will make our hearts tender and open our ears to hear what you have for us today. As we see what we're experiencing in our world, and we're asking over and over again, what do we do? God, I ask that. I will step back and that you will speak through me this morning with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. That you will give us wisdom and direction as a people, as believers, as a church on how to move forward in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. There's not much time. You got to be miles away from here for dawn. Where is she? Follow that north star. If there are no stars, just follow the river. Listen for them. Fear is your enemy. Whoa. Easy now. I'm gonna be free or die. I don't know if you know how extraordinary this is, but... You have made it 100 miles to freedom all by yourself. Would you like to pick a new name to mark your freedom? Harriet Tubman. You are welcome here anytime. If I'm free, my family should be too. I made up my mind, I'm going back. You're confident, composed, when trouble comes. You'll be ready. Papers. It says here you're five and a half feet tall. You ain't more than five feet. Must have won my high boots that day. Why are you back here? It ain't safe. I come to get you. Bring all of you to freedom. Do you know what would happen if you got caught? You got lucky, Harriet. I made a diss for all my own. So don't you tell me what I can't do. Harriet, welcome to the Underground Railroad. Everybody, everywhere is looking for you. God don't mean people to own people. Find this thief and burn her at the stake. Harriet! 
will give every last drop of blood in my veins until this monster called slavery is dead. Ready? Wow, what an amazing movie. If you have not gotten a chance to see Harriet, I would tell you as soon as you can to rent the movie, to stream the movie, to download it. It is an absolutely amazing, amazing movie. Now, there are so many themes throughout the movie. It was so hard to narrow down what we're going to talk about this morning. I mean, bravery, courage, strength, fearlessness, calling, destiny... What do we talk about as the church today? And today, we're going to talk about hope. Because Harriet brought hope to many, many people who were enslaved. So much so that she was nicknamed the Moses of her people. Araminta Ross was born either in 1819 or 1820. We aren't sure what year she was born because at that time, the slave masters didn't see any reason to keep record of the birth of their slaves. And so they didn't know what year they were born or how old they were. So we can only estimate that date. But we do know she died March 10th, 1913. Araminta changed her name to Harriet Tubman when she made her way to freedom in 1849. At the age of 13, her master threw a heavy weight which hit her in the head, causing severe brain injury, which resulted in uncontrollable fainting spells. They would come without her warning and last for differing amounts of time. And these fainting spells were so strong that the master would try to whip her awake with no luck. Several years after her injury, Harriet found out the rumors that her and her brothers were going to be sold south to another plantation. Now, this was not news to Harriet. We see, saw in the movie this happened over and over again. She distinctly remembers as a teenager seeing her sister's being carried away with a horse and cart sent to another plantation, never to be seen again. And she said when she told the stories that she can still hear the weeping and wailing of her mothers and sisters as they left. They were property owned and sold by their master at will. So Harriet decided upon hearing the rumor that she would be sold that it was time to run. Slaves were not allowed to speak to one another, so they often communicated in song. And so one evening, Harriet decided to walk among the slave cabins, and she sung a song very similar to this. And these are the lyrics. When that old chariot comes, I'm going to leave you. I'm bound for the promised land. Friends, I'm going to leave you. And as she sung and walked among the slave cabins, her friends and her family came out with shock and amazement. 
and quietly weeping, knowing that this song signaled that she was going to run. And they knew that because of her condition, it was highly likely that she would be caught, severely whipped, and maybe even killed. But Harriet continued walking with her shoulders back and her head up, and she continued to sing. I'm sorry, friends, to leave you. Farewell, oh, farewell. I'll see you in the morning. Farewell, oh, farewell. I'll meet you in the morning. Farewell, oh, farewell. There's a scene in the movie that I cannot get out of my mind. It plays over and over again. You saw a bit of it during our trailer. It's a scene where her master is following her. He catches her as she's trying to run, run away, and he tells her, you, you have to come back. Your mother is weeping. Your friends and family are so torn that you've left them. And he says, I promise I won't sell you, just like my father promised he wouldn't sell your mother. And you can see the look on her face as she pauses, thinking about the pain that she's caused them as she's left. And then she leaps from the bridge into the rushing water. Before she takes that leap of faith, she says, I will be free or die. Can you imagine how she felt that she was willing to leave everyone she loved, her husband, her mother, her father, her siblings, her friends, to be free? She could no longer take the chains and oppression and hopelessness that slavery had brought to her. So trusting and committing her way to the Lord, she set off and followed the North Star. Harriet, a slave, a woman, illiterate, and with uncontrollable fainting spells. All alone at night, running, walking, and hiding, trying to make her way to freedom. It wasn't an easy journey. There was rough terrain. There was rivers and hills and mountains to climb. But by the grace of God, she made it 100 miles to freedom. God provided people to help her along the way, both black and white. She made it to Pennsylvania, and she was free. And she worked for a year as a free woman, but she was alone. She longed for her friends and her family to join her in freedom. Reminds me of Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, where God told Moses, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. Perhaps Harriet this day heard those very words from the story that she knew so well, and she knew that God was calling her to go back and set her people free. As we all know, the Bible was taken out of context to keep the slaves in line and keep them um, willing to obey their masters. 
But they heard the story, Harriet and the slaves, they knew about the story of God freeing the Israelites from Egypt. And they knew that God was deliverer. And they longed for him to deliver them one day too. So Harriet decided to save up every penny she could for the journey back to rescue those that she could. To free slaves, souls that were owned by another man, a system in stark contrast to what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. There's another scene in the movie that I love so much. And it is a scene of Harriet walking into the freedom office with these people behind her. And it is almost this glorious scene where you can hear the music playing and you're like, you made it. And the person that leads the office almost passed out seeing her because can you imagine how he felt those days and weeks and months when he didn't know what happened to her or, the, or if she was able to bring them back. And here they are walking into the office. They made it. And he said, how in the world did you make it without losing a soul? How did you do it? And she says, God showed me the way. Harriet went back 19 times to the South, rescuing over 300 men, women, and children, never losing one. With the help of God and those, both black and white, who believed that owning another man was wrong, she brought them hope. And at the end of the movie, they show us a, a short part of her story, how for four years she worked during the Civil War as a doctor, as a nurse, and as a spy. And during one of the raids that she was an officer, she is responsible for freeing over 700 slaves. That means between her individual trips and her time in the Civil War, Harriet Tubman freed over 1,000 people. She brought them hope. Over the past few weeks, African Americans, my people, the same people Harriet sacrificed her life to save, has become evident to America, the world, that we are also still being oppressed. We are feeling hopeless because the ideals and the mentality from hundreds and hundreds of years ago, from the roots of slavery, still exist in the hearts and minds of many today. 
And many people, both black and white, are overwhelmed trying to figure out what to say and what to do. How do we express the pain in our hearts? How do we even find the words to fix what is broken? Or at least we should. I believe without a shadow of doubt that God is once again saying, I hear the cries of my people and I am concerned about their suffering. Often when we are in these situations and it looks like the world is a mess and that people are hurting and we don't know what to do, we often ask, where is God? But in this situation, in the midst of this broken world, I believe God is ask, we are to ask, what is God up to? When we hear the stories and we watch the videos of Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, just to name a few, we need to ask ourselves, what is God drawing our attention to as the church? As believers, what is our role in all of this? And the answer is we are to offer hope. We are to figure out and pray a way to move forward with equality and with hope. We are to continue to tear down the racial divide that is so evident in our country today. We are to fight for freedom for those who are feeling oppressed just because of the color of their skin. We are to fight with the faith and the boldness and endurance of Moses and Harriet. But we are not only to fight with prayer, but just like them, we are to fight with action. What is God asking us to do? What we've seen in the news or on social media, unfortunately, this is no different. We've heard stories, we've seen the death of countless African-American men and women, both old and young. But I've talked to so many that say, this time it feels different. There's a spiritual weight that is among believers. I've heard people say, I've had dreams about this. What do I do? Over the past few months, I've heard so many Christian leaders say, I just sense that God is bringing revival to us. I just, I just sense that we're on the verge. I can almost feel it. I can almost touch it. God is calling the church to a new level. He is asking for revival and we're praying for it. But I believe without a shadow of a doubt that the revival of this church is praying for lies on the other side of our obedience to stand in the gap for those that are feeling and being oppressed. The revival that the church is praying for lies on the other side of us bringing hope to those that are lost. 
I believe that the salvation to those that have yet to know Christ that we are so praying for and we are longing for, those that we want to feel the love and the freedom and the grace of God lies on the other side of our obedience to stop and repeat the words of the prophet Moses in Exodus 33, 14. God, if your presence does not go with us, we will not move from here. We must move forward in obedience with God's presence, with God's direction, not in our own ability or our own thoughts or our own ideas, but only move if God is with us. God is calling me. He's calling us. He's calling the church not just to pray for tension to cease and anger to die down, but he is praying for us to have wisdom on what to do to move forward, to move forward with action and end and with his presence. He is longing and calling for our tears and our broken hearts to bring us to action, to do something. He is calling us to read and educate ourselves on the hundreds and hundreds of years of history that has caused the tension that we see rising and the tension that we are experiencing today so that we know the whole story. In the future, he is asking us to open our homes and build genuine relationships with people that don't look like us, to share meals with them at our table in our homes so that our children don't just hear us say that we are equal, but they see us living it out. He's asking us to use our time, our energy, and our resources with open hands like Harriet and the many men and women that gave everything for the freedom of others. He is calling us to live in radical community like the first church in the book of Acts. So that those that are watching our life begin to be drawn to the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ instead of repulsed by it because we represent a people of inaction. The community that the world so desperately longs for that says what's mine is yours and that says what breaks your heart also breaks mine. That type of community must begin to be lived out among the body of Christ. A community where both black and white and rich and poor begin to feel seen and loved by those that say they represent Jesus, not invisible. We are to offer hope, not just in what we say, but in what we do. I believe then and only then can the heaviness we feel be lifted and revival can begin. You're probably thinking, Ebony, that all sounds hard and amazing and beautiful, 
but where do I even start? I believe our first prayer is a prayer for feet and hearts that move towards the outcast, the broken, the lost, the poor, the lonely, the addict, the oppressed, and the hopeless. Just as we read throughout the life of Jesus. We need to pray that God will continue to reveal to us areas where our eyes have been blinded and our hearts have been callous to the countless needs around us. We need to pray that we become more and more a people and a church with a heart like Jesus. We need to pray that we not only repeat the words of the Bible, but that we actually live them out. That we live them out in our homes, in our jobs, in our communities, and in our cities. We have the privilege of reading the stories of Harriet, the stories of the prophet Moses, stories of radical faith, bravery, and sacrifice. We have the privilege of reading the Bible and reading about the story of Jesus and his ultimate sacrifice for every man, woman, and child. If there was a book written about me, what would it say? If there was a book written about you today, what would it say? If there was a book written about the 21st century church, what would it say? Would it say that we lived a life well spent for the sake of Jesus Christ? For the sake of the freedom of the lost? Are we offering the life-changing, chain-breaking hope of Jesus Christ to the world around us? Harriet's final words before she passed were the words of Jesus in John chapter 14, verse 3. I go to prepare a place for you. She closed her eyes knowing that she lived a life well spent. A life led, breathed, and practiced in the presence of God. A life offering hope to those that were oppressed. Can we say the same? If not, what are we waiting for? I believe at this time as we close out today's message that God is drawing us to not just pray, not just act, but petition his throne for wisdom, for forgiveness, to be the church that he longs for us to be. So as you're watching in your homes, I ask that you will just posture yourself in a way, whether it's kneeling down or standing up, 
I ask you to pray in the way that you feel comfortable, the way that God is drawing you as we close in prayer this morning. Father, Papa, the first thing I feel so strongly we need to do is say, Father, forgive us for being a church that doesn't look like you. For being a people that have shut our eyes to the people that need hope. The people that are dying and crying, longing for only the hope that you can give us. I repent for being a people that are so busy that we don't stop to look around, that we don't stop to listen to your voice. But I ask that from this day forward, that we will become a people that that pay attention to the needs of those around us. In our homes first, that we will look into the eyes of our children. That we will be intentional about spending quality time with them so that we will know if anything is wrong. That we will slow down and we will listen to your voice on how to be parents who not just bring their children to church to learn about you, but parents that disciple their children through words and action. Parents who represent you in our speech, the way we talk to them, the way we talk to others, the way we represent Christ in our homes and in the community. God, I thank you so much for the call to action that you are bringing upon the hearts of believers, both black and white, to bring hope to those that are oppressed. I thank you for the change that is to come and for reminding us this morning that we have a work to do in order to see the revival that we're praying for. The revival that we can almost touch. We know we're on the verge of it. So God, thank you, thank you for bringing this to our attention. And I pray that the prayer of repentance will be on the lips of every black and white church leader as we pray for what to do. There's no shadow of a doubt in my mind that this is a season for the church to move. The past three months has become so evident to us that church is not a building, but it is a people to be sent out to show the world your love and your grace and your peace. So we thank you today for wisdom on how to move forward as believers and as a church to bring hope to the world. Amen.